Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota will always be compared head-to-head, but they never met face-to-face during Wednesday's joint workout. But we'll tell you what the quarterbacks picked one and two in the 2015 draft had to say about each other. And the Bucks receivers stole the show out here in Nashville on Wednesday. Also, the Bucks believe that they got more than what they bargained for in Jason Pierre-Paul, not just a pass rusher. The Tampa Bay Rays, meanwhile, they beat the Yankees 6-1 to thanks to a reappearance of Kevin Kiermaier and the Malik's effect. And did you see this? Ronald Acuna, who's been destroying the Marlins at the plate for the Braves. So on the first pitch of the game on Wednesday, Jose Urena hit him hard on the elbow, on purpose. One of the more cowardly things that I've seen in baseball. All that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Verstick, our producer. And before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and you get a free 30-day offer. That's a $15 value right there. And as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Now, here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So, Steve, I'm here in Nashville uh, once again for the Bucks' uh, first of their two workouts that they're going to have, joint practices with the Tennessee Titans, Hot as blazes, as you would expect in Tennessee, even hotter than Tampa, if that's possible. Um, but it was very interesting because, of course, all eyes were on Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, the two guys that were picked one and two in the 2015 draft, the quarterbacks uh, of those two teams. And, and if you think about it, um, their careers have intersected several times, and Mariota has usually gotten the boast of, best of Winston on the field. I mean, this goes back to the University of Oregon days when Florida State played the national semifinal game. Oregon won that game. And then, of course, their first NFL debuts were made together in Tampa. Just a nightmare debut for Jameis Winston. Mariota threw four touchdown passes. Jameis Winston, his first NFL pass was a pick six. And uh, Tennessee went on to win that game, and Mariota was named player of the week that that year. So uh, on the field, sort of an advantage Mariota in terms of just head-to-head. Um, but it was interesting watching sort of the the non-interaction. And, and look, they, they don't play against each other per se when you have these joint practices. You know, the Bucks offense is going against the Tennessee Titans defense on one field, and then on the other field, Marcus Mariota and the Titans offense is going against the Bucks defense, and that's sort of how it goes. But they both were on the field really early. Uh, before you know, practice began, as is usually the case with uh, those quarterbacks. And, you know, Mariota was stretching and doing some things. Winston had time to, uh, you know, to, to talk to certain players. And uh, guys like Luke Stocker, who used to play for the Bucks, is now a tight end for the Tennessee Titans. But they never, they never spoke. They never got together, even though, uh, you know, they'll be linked, uh, you know, for perpetuity uh, in terms of, uh, you know, just their, their draft order. Um, 
But it was really interesting. And, and uh, you know, after practice, we had a chance to talk to both quarterbacks. This is what Jameis Winston had to say about Marcus Mariota. Well, you know, it's we're, we're both great competitors. Uh, we just we just blessed with the teams that we got selected by, and uh, he's done a great job here, and I got to continue to do a good job in Tampa. I mentioned the uh, you know the thing that's looming over Jameis, of course, um, which changes the whole narrative of this this sort of rivalry, if you will, um, is the three game suspension, and that's something that Mariota is not having to deal with. I mean, when you're up here in Tennessee, I had a chance to talk to John Robinson, their general manager, who used to be with the Bucks, did a lot of the work uh, before the draft on Jameis Winston, so he has a rare perspective. Uh, and Mariota is universally loved, beloved, in Nashville by his teammates. No controversy off the field. And, of course, um, you know, the one advantage he has, you know, to his career so far is that he was able to uh, help lead Tennessee um, to the postseason and to a playoff win at Kansas City where I think they trailed at one point 21-3. So they had a comeback win. So he's got all those things, uh, that that playoff experience, uh, which is advantage Marcus Mariota. So he's, he's had the edge on the field. Of course, we talked about the season opener that they had as rookies and Mariota won 42 to 14 in Tampa. But statistically, if you're just looking at pure numbers, as we've told you before, Winston uh, has thrown for more yards, 11,636 to 9,476. He has more touchdowns, 69 to 58. But he's also had 270 more attempts. And oh yeah, he has more interceptions too, 10 more, 44 to 34. But Mariota's record is just slightly better. Neither one of them have been tearing it up, by the way. Um, and part of that might be the organizations that they're with and the fact that you know they went to really bad teams. But Mariota's record is only slightly better. He's 20 and 22 compared to Winston's 18 and 27. So, um, look, both of these guys know that wherever they go, um, they're going to uh, you know have. I mean, it's a li- it's not exactly like, but I mean. Uh, you know, you had the Ryan Leaf and, and Peyton Manning. Uh, those guys were always linked together. Of course, in that instance, uh, Manning was, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback and, and Leaf was an abject failure. I think in this case that both these guys are going to be successful probably long term. They, they both had a fair amount of success already as young players. But like we said the other night, you know, the things that followed them into the NFL have come to pass. You know, Winston, uh, there was concerns about his ball security. That has happened. Um, also, the biggest concern or the bigger concern was the off-field stuff. And could he stay out of trouble? And now he's facing a three-game suspension. With Mariota, the character was a 10. You never had any any problems, any reason to worry about him off the field. And he has been, by all accounts, uh, you know, the perfect face of their franchise here in Tennessee. Um, but he's had some injuries and, you know, he has still struggled a little bit in the pocket. And then the other thing that you still hear about Mariota, who's on his third coach already. I mean, you know, he's he's been through three. Winston's been through two, maybe going on three, depending on what happens this year, um, is, you know, Mariota's personality is just so different. And he's not a very verbose guy. He's not a very, um, you know, he's the anti-Winston, as you will. You know, Winston's very rah-rah, kind of in your face, you know, um, you know, the whole eating the W's thing. Whereas, you know, talking to Mike Vrabel, there was yet another head coach talking about how they would like to see Marcus Mariota be more assertive uh, with his teammates in the huddle and that sort of thing. He can't be a different guy than who he is, but um, 
still, this is this is also was was part of the concern uh, with Mariota in terms of just how you know how quiet he was um, as a quarterback. But both those guys played really, 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 really well um, in practice. I thought they both had good days, albeit you know completely um, apart. Some some highlights. Uh, well, before we get to that, uh, we did have a chance to talk to Marcus Mariota, as I mentioned. And you know he was uh, he was conciliatory to, towards Winston, and and here's what here's what Marcus had to say about Jameis. Yeah, it was good. I mean, we it was separate, so I, I didn't really get a chance to go see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, being able to to have the opportunity again to to compete against another team is always good. You know, I, I know who I am as a player, and I, I just focused on trying to get better. And um, you know, no matter what, I, I I thought both of us wherever we went, um, you know, we're gonna have an opportunity to play and. Um, it's always kind of interesting our paths cross again, um, but it, it is good to see him, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll just continue to find ways to be better and, and um, look back on it and um, you know, just kind of laugh about it. Yeah, I just get the sense from Mariota that you know he, he does it does him no good, <laughs> really, or any of either one of them that matter. I mean, they, they know the comparisons are inevitable. What can they say? You know, to him, like he said, it's about it, it's up to other people to make um, you know those calculations and. Um, in comparisons, they they both uh, are focused on their own games, and and that's that's going to be the case. But you know they they eyed each other from afar. I mean, it, like I think I said in my column, it was like you know two guys trying to, not to make eye contact on an elevator. I mean, they know the other one is there. They know that everybody's you know going to talk about each of them in terms of that 2015 graph, draft. Who would you rather have? Are the Bucks sorry now? Um, who's had the better career? And, and to be honest with you, you're not going to know that until their careers are over. And both guys are just now entering their fourth season, so they're both very young quarterbacks. Now, some would argue that, you know, in the case of um, Marcus Mariota with the injuries to Andrew Luck and, um, you know, Deshaun Watson and things that have happened uh, in the AFC um, South that he's had an easier road of it. Jacksonville, of course, was very, very good last year. Uh, but the NFC South is a different animal, and, um, you know, the Bucks have not made it uh, just yet. Well, I think as the, far as the, the true fact is, is that they both went to really bad teams. Yep. They both, you know, Tennessee, they made the playoffs last year, and they were so excited they fired their coach, <laughs> which shows right. you that they didn't think they were that good of a team. Right. Right. Um, you know, Jameis Winston may be on his third coach next year mm-hmm. if, if things don't go well, and, and missing the first three games doesn't help that. Right. That, you know, I, I think sometimes it's hard to judge quarterbacks, especially young in their career, especially when they're drafted so high going to bad teams, that the stats and, and, and all that number of wins and that can be distorted because there's not necessarily a lot around them and, and maybe not even the, the coaching around them either as they go through multiple coaches. Yeah. And, I mean, Tampa Bay is, is you know, it was been the cradle of, of failed quarterbacks, right? Because, I mean, you can go all the way back, you know, to, to Doug Williams, if you want to, but beyond that, um, and of course Williams won a Super Bowl with Washington, but you know how about Vinny Testaverde, who was picked number one all overall to a really bad team and wound up playing twenty seasons. Okay, he was he was a pretty prolific passer in the NFL, not so much in Tampa Bay. Um, Steve Young, for gosh sakes, Hall of Fame quarterback, he wasn't that when he came to Tampa from the USFL, but they had such bad teams that the guy had to run for his life, never learned to play the position until he was traded to San Francisco and sat behind Joe Montana and got with Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense. And then, you know, the rest is history, uh, uh, you know, an NFL MVP. So, 
you know, a lot of it is just that. When you're picked very high, you go to really bad teams, uh, uh, which means you can be shell-shocked pretty early. And there's been a lot of quarterbacks that, you know, never made it out of the first two years because they got hit too many times. I think of guys like David Carr, who was as, as regarded as any quarterback, you know, draft, drafted number one overall at the time. Um, I think he was sacked some 70 times his rookie year. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're with a bad team and, and, and the changing of coaches. I mean, Mariota's on his third system. You know, Jameis Winston had had the luxury of, you know, sort of being with their cutter early early on um, from, from his rookie season as an offensive coordinator and now as a head coach. So he's had continuity within the offense, um, but not with the head coaches. And um, you're right. It, those guys that are picked that high, first or second, in a draft at that position typically go – um, to teams that, that aren't very good and don't have much around them. So that's certainly a factor. As far as the practice went on Wednesday, very interesting uh, to see the Bucks. And, and, look, I got sort of a false picture a year ago because I would have told you that the Bucks were better than Jacksonville um, when they went to Jacksonville and, and scrimmage against them, and we know how that turned out. Um, but in, in terms of, like, the things that stood out, the Bucks receivers had them a day. Um, it started right off the bat in the, you know, the man one-on-one drills, which is geared towards, you know, the receivers winning anyway. I mean, it's an offensive drill, um, you know, with no pass rush, um, you know, no defenders at all, just one-on-one then the receiver knowing where he's going, he should win most of the time. And he did, but Deshaun Jackson, uh, turned around Malcolm Butler a couple times, um, you know, took a, took a deep pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Evans, was on fire. Um, he was mossing people. Uh, you know, had in a team team period. You know, he picked one off Logan Ryan's helmet, and um, you know, just uh, just was was. I don't know. He was a cut above. I mean, he was really really good, and um, everybody noticed it. And, and it was something that even Mike Vrabel acknowledged because he saw how you know his defensive backs had not seen uh, such a variety of receivers. You had. Big physical guys like Mike Evans, and then you had the really fast, you know, skilled guys like Deshaun Jackson and others. So it was uh, it was kind of a clinic that they put on there. Here's what Jameis Winston had to say about his receivers against the Titans defensive backs. I think it's so so much fun playing against different guys every day, and when you got guys like Mike and Deshaun, you know, paired against you know Malcolm Butler and the the new rookie 25. Oh my gosh, he's He's, in, he's incredible, so uh, it's just good to get out here and compete. The other thing that was fun to watch was, you know, the Bucks defensive line go up against uh, the Titans' offense and, and, and the one-on-one pass drills, which uh, I thought the Bucks' offensive line held their own against Tennessee's defense. But, man, um, there, was some, there were some nice rushes going on uh, for the Bucks on Wednesday, particularly defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, this guy continues to, you know, in, in periods where, you know, training camp is hot. He's a 29-year-old guy. He missed OTAs. A guy with his pedigree, you might expect that he would take some plays off or take, you know, take a drill off here and there. Not not Jason Pierre-Paul, man. He brought it. And he brought it against what is considered one of the best left tackles in the league in Taylor Luan. And it was really interesting. I mean, um, you know, Luan has made – two Pro Bowls in his first two seasons in the NFL, he got smoked by Jason Pierre-Paul. And and the, and the funniest thing about it was Pierre-Paul let him know about it. He was chirping at him. And I can't tell you what he said, but it had something to do 
with his lack of fingers on one hand. And it was hilarious. But um, it, it also was very poignant. And him and Quan Alexander uh, during a blitz period, you know, uh, made made some sacks. And um, they really got after it. But after after practice, and, and a little bit during when I was talking to Jason Light about this, Dirk Cutter echoed it after practice. They said, you know, it, it's been a huge surprise and, and a very and a very pleasant one because they did not expect JPP to become the practice player and the leader that he really is, and they're fired up about it. I mean, this guy does not take does not take a uh, a drill off or a rep off, and and he's rubbing off on some of the young the young players, and I I think that uh, you could see that after practice. You know, they always elect or, or pick a guy to break it down, break the team down at the end of practice. And it's usually a guy that's had an outstanding practice or uh, or uh, very often a veteran. And this time it was Jason Pierre-Paul, who doesn't normally speak a lot, um, you know, in a, in a team setting like that. Uh, and he was fired up, man. I, I, we were close enough to hear him address the team and break them down. And he was talking about having had the game taken away from him and how much he valued uh, playing the game and how much he valued going hard on every snap in practice and every drill. And, you know, he, he was trying to impress upon his teammates that that's the way you're supposed to practice, that's the way you're supposed to play. So it was interesting uh, to watch uh, JPP get after it. And I, I got to tell you, Steve, the most the most solid part of this of this Bucks team, there's a couple of them. One would be their wide receivers and just the targets they have at tight end and wide receiver. Uh, and that would include, you know, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Very strong bunch of skilled players there. But the other is the defensive line. In one season, they've rebuilt this thing. And barring injury, I really think they got they got a good group. So day two is uh, today. I'll be out there this morning. And uh, I had a chance, got a treat for you um, tomorrow. You want to make sure you're on hand for uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay. Uh, I mentioned John Robinson, who was the assistant general manager under Jason Light for several years uh, in the early days, especially when, in fact – did a lot of the research, a lot of the work on Jameis Winston. Uh, and when the Bucks made that decision, Lovey Smith, of course, primarily was his decision. So John, very familiar with uh, with that quarterback. Now his quarterback is Marcus Mariota. So who better to talk about those two guys and what the Titans have done and what he has done uh, in coming in there and getting his team to the postseason and then firing the coach that got him there and hiring Mark, Mike Vrabel, both, you know, both light and um, John Robinson have backgrounds from the New England Patriots, so clearly Robinson was familiar with Brable. Um, but it was a very interesting talk. I think you'll love the interview. We're going to play that for you tomorrow on uh, on the podcast on Sports Day Tampa Bay, so make sure you're on hand for that. So, Steve, you were at the uh, Rays watch party uh, back in Tampa, and uh, the Rays got a little offense going against the Yankees. Boy, they have not had much success at Yankee Stadium, and that's an understatement, right? I mean, they have lost so many series up there in a row. Yeah, I think it's they've won four of the last 18 games up there, and they haven't won a series since mid-14, I think it was. Goodness. Um, last time they won a series up there. So they got a shot to do that today with Blake Snell on yeah. the bump. Um, in a day game at Yankee Stadium. So anytime you got Blake Snell on the mound, you got a shot in this game. Yeah, and uh, but, he's pitched pretty well up there. Yeah, but the offense, Brendan Lau got his first two hits, including his first two RBI. Uh, Malik Smith, a two-run home run that hit off the uh, second deck in uh, right field. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer with a couple hits. He had been batting 087 in August, so it was good to see him get a couple hits and an RBI as well. And the Rays win 6-1. to one. 
Pitching did pretty well. Jake Farias, okay, struggled a little bit. He was sent down after the game, actually, as Tommy Pham is uh, back. He was activated after the game, so he'll be at Yankee Stadium for the day game today. He went three for four in a rehab uh, stint at Hudson Valley tonight, and including a home run. So uh, good to have him back in the outfield. Hopefully that adds a little pop to the offense as well as uh, he can run into a few here and there. Yeah, their offense is going to be the thing that will struggle down the stretch. They've lost some guys, and it's good to see Kiermaier do something, man. I, I can't – you know, it's been enough games now, Steve. I can't really say that this is going to be anything but another major disappointment of a year to Kevin Kiermaier. He never got going at the plate. Um, you know, we know he had the uh, you know the hand injury or the thumb injury early on. Um, well, I'm curious how healthy he really is. Well – you think it's the hands that's bothering him with the plate at the plate? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Could I think be. Some, I think some of it's his approach. I think he's trying to 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 pull too many balls and, and trying to deposit it into right field uh, too often. But you know, he might still be hurt or not a hundred percent when it comes to the bat as well. Yeah. Um. You know, but he's still Could doing. He, he had a good a good catch in the outfield today, right up against the wall, yep. jumping up and catching it, and almost got the guy at first after that. Um, yeah. You know, and his defense is still there, but I'm glad to see they've moved him down in the order. I mean, I was getting tired of seeing oh, him yeah. lead off and, and do nothing. Um, you know, we were kind of talking tonight, a bunch of us, about, you know, kind of looking ahead to next year and that and how, you know, the roster may be pretty much the same. I mean, they may add a player here and there. They're going to have some money actually to spend in free agency. There's only $30 million or so committed in salary. And Stu Sternberg right. talked about that. Uh, Mark Topkin wrote about it in the uh, Tampa Bay Times today, but uh, Stu Sternberg talked about, you know, next season, and a lot of the roster is going to be the same, you know, maybe an addition here or there, um, and obviously looking for opportunities too. Um, but, you know, what's the team going to look like next year? And, I, you know, we were kind of even joking around lineups, and I said, I'd rather see Kiermaier bat ninth. Make him a second leadoff guy, but put him ninth. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know d- defensively, you need him out there. You want him out there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. He's the best defensive center fielder in the game, but offensively, man, he's struggling. You know, yeah. maybe an offseason will help that. Who knows? But, you know, he's really struggling. And, and I, I think sometimes his approach at the plate isn't right. I think he is who he is. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, he's been in the major leagues long enough now. And, 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 and his wins against replacement, the guys with the analytics will tell you that this is one of the best mm-hmm. um, players on the Rays team, bar none. Um, and, and it's been proven with his defense. But um, he, he does not stay healthy because of the way he plays. And and that may that may affect his offense certainly if he's got look I've said this before if you hurt your hands um, that's one of the hardest things to do is swing a bat with any problems with your hands your wrist mm-hmm. your fingers any of that and, and and we won't know there's there's really nothing I mean maybe at the end of the season he'll say you know that thing never really felt right but we've seen his approach and his approach has not changed and 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 I don't think he's going to change it um, in fact I I've seen him take some swings this year that I've never seen before. You know, just just bailing, bailing out swings, um, you know, just opening up way too soon and taking himself 
completely out of the zone where the ball is anyway. So it, it's been hard to watch. He's he's looks like he's not even going to hit 200, which is astoundingly bad for a guy that's played as much as he has. But on, on you know, I I don't know at this point. Usually guys are who they are when they played this many years in the majors. And I don't know that he's going to. He certainly hit better than he has this year. Well, yeah, he. I but mean, his I, his career average is around two sixty two seventy. Yeah. So I mean, this uh, is you know he's never going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be a three hundred hitter. No, um, that's not that's not what he does. But I'd like to see him more often shooting for the gaps and using his legs. Yeah, uh, kind of what we like to see Malik's doing. What he's done very well this year. I mean, he's you know he had a second home run tonight of the season, but for the most part, he's swinging for the gaps and letting his legs get him to second or third base. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he's most effective, not not trying to p- deposit the, the ball in the seats every time. Yeah, well, Malix is a contact guy. I mean, Malix mm-hmm. has a really good bat, and, and Kevin Kiermeyer is not a contact guy. He's a swing and miss guy. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, the, the idea that they would have him leading off made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, of all the places to put him, leadoff would be the last spot. I mean, you could bat him second even – uh, which is sort of a spot that, you know, you get a lot of good pitches because your three and four hitters are coming up behind you, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually easier to hit there. But why they would – I don't know where this came from. Like, is the tail wagging the dog here if the Rays, you know, had something that told them that, you know, outside of his foot speed that he should be batting leadoff because he doesn't walk. You don't take any walks. You don't see a lot of pitches. Um, you know, sometimes people think that forces you to do that, you know, Joe Madden was famous for taking guys that were in a slump and moving them to the leadoff spot. Yeah, but so he would, would do that be, for a couple games, not for yeah, the length not, of the not race. For, yeah, they just left them there. Yeah, and, I mean, it's until, one thing if you wanted to move them up for a couple games to, to see if you get something going and to, you know, to see more pitches and you know just mm-hmm. a different view of things as you're you know starting the game instead. But you know they left him there for a long time. I'm glad to see he's further down the lineup now. Hmm. Yeah, that's where he deserves to be. Um, so yeah, the Rays will have an afternoon game to see if they can win that series, and of course we'll uh, we'll have uh, all that to talk about tomorrow as well. And former uh, Ray podcast. Wilson Ramos made his debut in Philly tonight was activated. So yeah. before tonight, Wilson Ramos had played 727 games for several different teams, including the Rays. Mm-hmm. He had never had a three extra base hit night. He had three extra base hits for the Phillies tonight. Until tonight, did they win? By the way, because their starter was out after one or two innings. Yeah, Philly won seven to four in that game. So, um, wow. Yeah, Boston did lose. Philly won there. Big win for the for the Phillies, and especially if uh, you know if Ramos had that kind of a contribution at the plate, that that was a yeah. a huge debut for him. So, yeah, that's, and that's, they announced the Rays got cash from the Phillies, un, un, undisclosed amount of cash. So, not going to get a player back. They weren't going to get a very good player. So, at that point, the Rays probably preferred the cash anyway. Could they have given up cash? No, we don't. Kevin want to get Cash, you mean? Cash. Or that's why we don't want to get rid of Kevin Cash. <laughs> oh, I think Kevin <laughs> Kevin Cash. I mean, um, Andy, manager of the year, baby. Uh, Andy and Dave were talking about, I believe, on Tuesday's broadcast about some of the the writers up in New York and some of the media up there were talking about Kevin Cash should be manager of the year. Now, maybe some of that's because they don't want to give it to Alex Cora of the Red Sox, who's probably going <laughs> to yeah. win it because of the season they're having. But <laughs> New York writers, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, as far as, like, if you're just talking about actual jobs, right, I mean, and, and the Red Sox are going to set some damn record, I think, you know, in the history of the franchise or whatever if it wins. But if you're just talking about – and he's not going to win because it'll go to, obviously, a, a contending team. But if you just want to say, here's what you have, 
and everybody else has this. And you're going to do it. You're going to try something that has never been done before with these opening pitchers and, you know, 15 different starters this season. Um, can anybody begin to name who they are? Uh, and, and, and you're going you're gonna to have this kind of, I don't know, forced isn't the word, but you're going to have it imposed upon you that this is what we're doing. And, and with all the injuries, and then turn over your day-to-day roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about guys that, you know, or started the season that are no longer here that you were playing every day. They've played um, 20, including rookies, Ramos. 20 rookies this year. We haven't even got to September college That's incredible. Yet. That's yeah. incredible. And to be two games over 500 at this point, it's, it's, it's astounding. It really is. They're going to win 80-something games, which, you know, no one had a, a, a bigger, you know, a bigger hole to fill than, than Kevin Cash. So, yeah, he's, he's proven to me that, uh, that he has the right stuff as far as uh, managing goes, if he could handle all those changes and, and embrace them and get guys to buy in, which is really the manager's job. If he mm-hmm. can get 25 guys to buy into what they're doing as a team and sacrifice for each other like they have, um, that's why they've won baseball games. So I, I give them all the credit in the world. Speaking of baseball, though, one of the worst things I've seen, Steve, and you've seen this too, uh, if you watched uh, any of the highlights of the replays, Ronald Acuna, who's just been destroying everybody at the plate, but particularly the Marlins, how many leadoff home runs has he had in games now? So he's had three straight games with a leadoff home run. He's mm-hmm. had in four of the last five. And, but it's been five straight games with a home run in his first at-bat because Incredible. on Sunday's game, he walked the, the first inning and had a home run in the second inning. So his first right. at-bat in the last five games, he's had a home run. Three of those against the Marlins, the doubleheader on Monday, mm-hmm. and then Tuesday's game. So he had leadoff home runs in all three games against the Marlins. And the Braves and Marlins historically have never liked each other. And I can tell you, <laughs> working in that, that – I worked for the Braves many years ago, and those teams never liked each other. And it Which was, is it weird. Was always like, what, what, was how, always is there, how is there a rivalry there, right? I mean, It's more about you're just playing each other 18, 19 times a game. Yeah, that's true. It's just a division or thing. a season. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's yeah. that, and you know, uh, I it's, it was worse when you'd go down to Miami. I can you know remember one series particularly. It was a four game series in Miami, and I believe there was five rain delays for something like seven plus hours in the series. Oh God! And by the fourth game, it was. I mean, the players hated each other, and it was. <laughs> It was. Uh, there's Miami. nobody in the stands, and it's ugly, and every they're, they're <laughs> chirping at each other, and it, I mean, you know, it's just one of those four game series are bad in baseball anyway for that reason. But um, then yeah. you, you factor in all those rain delays, and it was ugly. You can hear every you can hear every insult. Well, anyway, on on the game on Wednesday, this was really. I mean, you know, baseball has its rules, right? It's unwritten rules, and it's vigi- vigilanteism, and all those things. But Jose Urania. On the first pitch of the uh, of uh, of the game, I believe. Yes, first um, pitch of the game. Ronald Acuna is batting and just decides, and it was oh, and it was intentional. Uh, throws it right at him, and Acuna turns. Unfortunately for him, he didn't get his hand, his elbow out of the way. Hits him square on the elbow. If you listen to the sound of that, it sounds like it hits a bat. I mean, mm-hmm. it it is a bone shot, um, and he's in some kind of pain. And and in fact. Ended up coming out of the baseball game later. He went out to uh, to the outfield and had to had to call himself in. Um, but it was so stunning and so cowardly, I think, because Herrera had not. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Acuna had not shown anybody up. All he did was play baseball, and he played it better than anybody else. He's on a hot streak. Um, he's a he, rising he's young a, star in the sport. Oh, he's 20, such 20 a good years hitter. old and so good. Oh. 
Yeah, and I mean, a good outfielder, great hitter, guy that's uh, obviously hot right now, and he takes one off the elbow and has to come out of the game on the first pitch because of what? Because he's playing well? Because you can't get him out? Because, you know what, if you don't want him to hit, either throw, either pitch better or put four fingers up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not the way to uh, to avoid him you know, hitting the ball over the wall. And it was shocking that you would start a game like this and, and, and you know, target a young player. I'm surprised, even though there was, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the benches sort of cleared and um, eventually uh, after the umpires got together, they threw Herenia out or Urania out. But I, I still think that this could have this could have become a very ugly scene in, in uh uh, in Atlanta, it and, really and the could fans have. And a, and a couple were on them. A couple notes about Urena's pitch too. It was in the 99th percentile of speed of every pitch he's thrown this year, Oof. and it was by far the fastest first pitch of a game he's thrown all year. Great. So he just reached back and tried to yes. drill him as hard as he possibly yes, he could. Did. Yes. If you go based on all the Statcast stuff and, and look at it, wow, he was wow. just he was gearing back and taking a shot. Wow. Now, now, Don Mattingly said after the game that this this was not he did not order the code red. Right? I can't. I mean, Don Mattingly had an eight game home run streak in his career, ties for the longest in Major League Baseball. I think he had ten home runs during that stretch. He didn't get thrown at. I can't imagine he would do that. And that's not that's not the type of manager he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some in baseball you could go. Well, maybe he would order that for 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 that. I mean, for just a guy on a hot streak. But I can't imagine Mattingly would do that. And he says he says he told him not to. Yeah, but then now we're at a few good men. Well, yeah. I, I don't understand. If you told him not to, and they always follow orders, why would Jose Herrera throw at him if he always follows your orders? Why the two orders? Um, it, it just it, it, then that means that a guy just went rogue, or or a teammate told him to, or somebody else was in his ear. Exactly right. Like like somebody else put him up to this and, and told him this is what you need to do. And I'd like to see who those guys are because that's not that's not baseball. Look, baseball does have its own, you know, sort of etiquette and policing, self-policing and all that. Um, it took a while, by the way, for the umpires to get together and, and eventually decide to throw Urania out. I, I think they did him a favor. Uh, did oh, you hear oh, the reaction man, of that imagine, Atlanta crowd? Can you imagine when he would have gone up to the plate? Oh... Oh, it would the, not have the been the second good. or third inning, whenever that would have happened. Yeah, I actually think that they avoided some major, major problems in that yes. game by throwing him they, out. They had to. They they absolutely had to. had to throw him out. There was no choice in that matter. Even though, even though you know they're not supposed to always predict intent, and the warnings are used for that purpose. But that way, they were not only they were able well, to throw him out of the game, and then and then assess warnings immediately to both. Mm-hmm. Both benches, so that that whoever threw it at anybody else again was also going to be gone, and the manager. Yeah, and I, you know, I I can see Urena. I mean, he'll probably get eight to ten games. Which you, you think know, so? Yeah, wow. yeah, which is which That's is one, two starts. It's really. one start. Ten one ten start. games is one start. Really, you push your second start back a game. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean. That's the whole. I mean, I, I never understood the suspensions in baseball. Starting pitcher, you know, okay, you get eight games. Oh, okay, that's one start. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's. I, you know, you're missing a start and you're missing pay, but and, and really the eight games is more about you miss eight days of pay, even though you miss mm-hmm. only one start. But uh, you know, the whole thing in sports and, and you know what all the leagues have done, whether it's football, whatever else, whether it's you know from the the hits in football and everything else is 
And part of it's legal and you don't want to get sued and everything else. But the other part of it is they want the stars on the field. Yeah. And when we do stuff like this, and saying we sports, when stuff like this happens, all you're doing is potentially taking a star out of the game for days, weeks, months. Well, sure, and that's and, why and it's, you know, it's, everybody... awful. it's awful for the fans. It's awful for the game. For something, the guy's on a hot streak. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. He didn't. He, he's done nothing to warrant it. Yeah, didn't show him up on a home run trot. Didn't take a half hour to run the bases. All that stuff. Um, so yeah, and in football, to your point, you know, everybody talks about how, well, put a dress on the quarterback. You can't even look at him. You got, you know, you can't hit him too high. You can't hit him too low. No, no kidding. Because that's the game. Those are your superstars. That's what you're selling, you know, and you don't need Tom Brady going out, you know, with a, uh, a torn patellar tendon because some guy is diving at his knees in week one, you mm-hmm. know, um, because what does that do? It puts Matt Castle in the lineup. I mean, uh, you know, you, you need those players to stay as healthy as they can within mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, do, you don't want cheap shots. You don't want guys to take unnecessary hits. And, it, hey, if that's a, if that puts it a little over the top and you protect them a little bit too much and guys get upset about it, so what? You yeah, know? I mean, ultimately the owners, the teams, and, and I would think the players ultimately, when you talk about the players' union, they want the stars on the field. They do. They don't want players out injured. No. And, and while, you know, people will say, yeah, yeah, go ahead and put dresses on them. But it's all it's ultimately about, you know, putting the best. It, it's about money, but it's also about putting the best product on the field. You know, no one's no and, one's no one's coming to see the backup quarterback play. No, that's not what they want to see. They don't want to see the backup running back or the backup safety or cornerback. They want to see starters. play. They want to see the best players play. Period. Are you saying they don't they don't want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is that, is that what you're telling me? Uh, well, I think no. most of the fans want to see Jameis. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was not an injury. That's a different kind of injury. Um, but yeah, now, and here's the thing. I'll say this about football, which I've never really got. You know, players players will will you know complain about these helmet shots. You know, and now they have the thing this year where it's going to be controversial. There's going to be really good defensive players. Tony Dungy talked about it. He didn't know how they're going to police this. Wait till a star gets thrown out of the game. Um, and the game is so fast, and if a receiver ducks his head. Uh, you know, this is going to be a, a disaster, right? Because they're calling these helmet helmet shots. Well, I got news for you. Um, whose side? Are, if you're a player, whose side are you on? I mean, you realize that they're doing this to protect mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. They're doing this to protect a guy who makes his living the same way you do. And if I'm the union, I'm like. Oh hell yeah! All all anything mm-hmm. you want to do to make this game safer, we're yep. all for it. Why? Because you have a longer career. Because maybe you can remember your kids' names when you're thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know all those things, and and it's it's not it's really not a laughing matter. I but I've never gotten the guy, and there's too many of this guy that goes, oh man, you know it's not even football. They won't let us play. Well, no, it is, and it's and they're trying to make it safer. And besides which. All that's going to do is is make, give you a better life and a longer career. Mm-hmm. I've never understood why a single player would come out against some rule or something that that they're trying to enforce along those lines. Absolutely. I mean, if you remember in hockey this past year, um, they started calling a lot of the uh, sticks to the hands. Yes, you know, you're slashing. And, and, and yeah. you know, people were complaining about, it, especially early in the year, and they were calling lots of it. Well, it was the players that actually went to the league and said, "We want to, 
we want this enforced. We want this called because yeah. too many players were getting wrist injuries and being missing time because of hands that are broken or hurt or whatever else. And and the players wanted it fixed, which kudos on them. It's you know, let's clean up the game. Let's you know, it doesn't mean you're not gonna hit anybody ever, but let's you know, let's take the dumb stuff out and let's let our stars play more often. Nobody wants to go and see Steven Stamkos hurt or Nikita Kucherov right. hurt. They want to see those guys play and score and be good. Yeah, and all that does is put more money in the in their pockets because they share the revenues with the owners in a lot of those leagues. And, you know, I, I, again, I just think making the game safer. And that's why, going back to the baseball thing, that they really should. Uh, I'm with you. They should, he, probably, he probably should get eight games. I think he should get more than that, but they won't. Yeah, they won't. Keith Oberman put a, a tweet out tonight about, you know, he should be suspended for the rest of the season. And go ahead, Union, sue baseball. <laughs> exactly. And, again, whose side are you on? You or, or the other the other option is, you know, suspend him as long as Acuna's out. Now, the x-rays came back negative, we found out, right before we started taping this podcast. So right. that's good. I don't know if he'll miss any time. But the other good thing well, for Acuna, his home run streak is still intact. Per really? Major League Baseball Rule 9.23, I believe, since he only had one plate appearance and was hit by the pitch, it was not an official at-bat. So the next game, the home run streak still intact, a five straight games with a home run. Oh, I hope he, he does did not, it. He did yeah. not have an at-bat tonight. Are they done with the Marlins? They have one more game. Yeah, that series ended tonight, so I don't know if they play again later this season, but uh, they're not playing. Uh, the Braves will be uh, hosting the, I believe it's the Rockies tonight. Okay. Well, whenever he plays Miami, if he plays them again, I hope he hits a leadoff home run, and I hope he runs the bases backwards, and then they can throw at him because <laughs> he, did, he did not, seriously, he'd be like Jimmy Pursall. He did not deserve what he got. And and even though it didn't, you know, they say x-rays are negative, I'm sure it feels real good, however. you know. Well, yeah, he hey, stayed in the game to run the bases, and then he went out to the outfield and, and kind of did the warm-up. He was in so much pain, and, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing the adrenaline wore off and your elbows start sure. hurting more and understandable. Damn right it does. And he's going to be sore as hell, and it's going to mm-hmm. affect his swing. You know what I mean? I mean, you, just because you didn't break your arm, I mean, that's good, but it, it's not it's not overall good, you know. Um, I'm sure he'll learn to play, he'll play with it, but that thing's going to be sore as hell. So, um, you know, it's going to going to definitely affect him. Anyway, um, we'll have uh, you know lots to talk about as far as baseball goes. And of course, we mentioned the Rays have an afternoon game against the Yankees to see if they can win that series for a change at Yankee Stadium. I'll be still in Tennessee, and remember to tune in for a uh, an interview that I had that's uh, really good with Titans GM John Robinson, who used to be. The Bucks assistant GM, really good perspective on both Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, and also his relationship with Jason Light. So uh, that's something you can look forward to as well. As always, we love your feedback on this podcast. A lot of people have been uh, listening. We appreciate that. Got some new sponsors coming aboard really, really quick. We'll tell you how you can be one yourself. Uh, in the meantime, please interact with us. We love to uh, get your questions, your comments. Tell us what you like, what you'd like to hear more of or less of, perhaps. Um, you can do that by reaching us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, love it, love it when you rate or review this podcast. That always helps us. So anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, et cetera, wherever you're listening, hit that like button, or better yet, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to advertise on the show, we've got a couple new uh, business partners coming on, and we've got one or two spots left, so hurry up if you want to if you sponsor it. Sales Manager Monica Boyer is waiting for your call. Her number is 813-957-0836, 813-957-0836. 
813-957-0836. And if you don't remember that, just reach out to Rick or myself and we'll get you hooked up. Titans GM John Robinson with me tomorrow on this podcast. You don't want to miss that. Also, I'll have all the latest news from Nashville, Tennessee, as the Bucks continue their workouts against the Titans. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.